Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers pod. It's Chris Ryan and I'm joined today by our producer Cliff Augustine. Cliff, I'm in Los Angeles, you're in New York, but our hearts are in Philadelphia, man. And our hearts yes. are, are smiling, if hearts can smile. Um, Raheem couldn't make it today, uh, unfortunately, but we're going to just knock out a couple of observations and takes from, honestly... You could not have drawn up a better game one yeah, victory. Yeah, yeah, I Philly, agree. Right, man? Um, especially setting a record. 21 threes. That's a playoff franchise playoff record. I thought James Harden looked good. I thought Embiid looked great passing out the double team in certain moments, certain moments. I thought the role players were great. Yeah, I mean, the coaching was executed well. Look, I, I will say this, though. Every time I see Mikel Bridges get a basket, it just infuriates me. We're, like, we're going to talk about Bridges. I promise uh, yeah. you, man. It's so hard to watch this dude be a 30-point-a-game scorer. He's but so good. He's so I good. I know. I know. So I mean, good. some of it is usage. Some of it is just like, obviously, this was just, li- it was lingering under the surface with him. And he, there's a world in which he's just like a role player in the NBA and he gets like 15 a game and is a good defender. And and now he's like, he's going to be an all-star. And, yep. and yep. yeah, so, all right, let's talk about this game. 121-106, Sixers win. Uh, it was honestly, I think it went wire to wire, right? I don't think the Nets ever had the lead. They never had the lead. The Sixers had, the largest lead the Sixers had was 25 points. The Nets never took a lead during the game at all. Yeah, and so let's just go through a couple of takes I had. <laughs> yeah, Number one. Sixers are much better than the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the obvious observation, right? So because every year we go through this, we see this, the first round matchup, it's always, all right, the Wizards, we can just knock them out because they have Russ or it's the Heat when they have uh, James Jones playing, you know, real meaningful minutes. And then we went up three nothing against the Raptors last year. At the, actually, then they go up three zero over that and beat turnaround three two. We gave away two games. In yeah, that and then they gave away two right. games, and then they they extended the series, and it didn't have to be that long. And then B got his face destroyed, and then that ruined what could have happened with the Heat and possibly an Eastern Conference uh, Finals appearance. Right. 
That's one thing you always have to keep an eye on, though, man, is like making sure that we get through these first rounds without either any of our stars getting injured. Like that happened mm -hmm. with um, MB got hurt in that Wizard series that year. Yep. Uh, Harden was grabbing his face at some points during this game, and B got clocked by Dorian Finney-Smith on yeah. that. And like, remember, Harden hasn't been healthy the past two postseasons, one in Brooklyn and one uh, last year with us, too. Because remember, he came over, he looked good, and then it ended up being like, hey, my hamstring is still not 100%. So both of them weren't I mean, he took two shots in that final, in that game since against the Heat in the fourth quarter. So yeah. it's like, we knew he wasn't healthy either. So now it appears everybody's healthy. They always say, you know, no one's healthy at this time of the year, but at least no one has some, you know, has to wear a face mask or at least you don't yeah, have man. a half of a Nobody's leg, on you know? a minutes limit. No one's right. limping up the floor. I think that the thing that I took from this game, my, my secondary take, which is obviously the Sixers just have a talent superiority over the Nets and the Nets are like essentially in a mid uh, mid rebuild while also the sixth seed. But the Sixers did every single thing that a Sixers fan would be worried about going into the game, the Sixers corrected. So let's just go, I'll just knock these out, right? The bench scored, the Sixers protected the ball, they passed the ball, and they most, most, most importantly, what did we talk about the last pod we did? The rebounding. Yeah. They killed the Nets on the offensive glass. They got 21 second chance points compared to the Nets three. And we had really nice games from our stars, but they didn't need to like save the game. They didn't right. need to play 41 minutes and score 45 points. Like mm -hmm. it was an evenly distributed, like honestly, like the most no sweat victory I can remember in a long time. Right. And then the Nets committed 20 turnovers too, which tells you like they just don't have, when you watch Nets, right? They just don't have like a true point guard or somebody to really guide or, you know, initiate their offense, which really kills them because they actually have some really good wing players and some great wing depth. But there's no one that, you know, just sets the tone for the offense and just, you know, can call out a play or, or hey, get in this position. Hey, get in that position, go off a pick and roll and get to the net or dish and kick. Like, yeah, you, you can tell like they just don't have a floor general and that's absolutely killing them. And on top of that, we only the Sixers only committed 14 turnovers of the entire game, which is amazing. And yeah, it's actually when you double your best player and beat. How would you, Chris, how many times back in pre pandemic and Bede would have the double team? And just travel, turnover, throw it out of bounds, throw it over someone's head. Now it's finally becoming like a hockey assist where it's not staining his hands. It's getting over to Melton, Hart, and Maxi, and then it's getting kicked to Tobias or PJ in the corner. Like now, like he knows how to play out of that double team. So when he when it comes to him, every single time that the Nets do it, he knows to kick it out, and we somehow do something good with it every time. Yeah, and it's. You're right. It's happening, at least in this first game, it was happening earlier in the shot clock. I think he recognized early on that uh, Jacques Vaughn was just going to throw doubles at him as soon as he got the ball. So it was going to be up to everybody else to kind of keep the Sixers ticking over. But it's that crucial second pass, right? Like you said, the hockey assist. If the ball goes back out to Harden, Harden's throwing skip passes to dudes across the floor. Harden can can reorchestrate a play based on like now that we've got this going on sometimes with that double the guy doubling is pj's guy and that's going to be a little bit of uh it's not a pure double because you're right. not really like always going to be able to trust but pj right. that's my next take yep. pj tucker started paying off his contract today <laughs> literally remember what did we say at the beginning of the contract five today five offensive rebounds five steals two for five from three isn't that what you expect from pj tucker Every also, time. when you got guys like Embiid and Harden, Harden, who's obviously a very like, low-key guy on the floor, and Embiid, who can sometimes get in his feelings, Tucker is the competitive spirit of the team. 
Right. And I don't know that you can even you can you can say there's a price point on that, but I don't think there's a statistic to put on what PJ Tucker does to keep those guys focused, to keep those guys energetic. And that's something that I don't think we've had in the past because the second best player on the team for years before was either Ben Simmons mm -hmm. or Al Horford. Like essentially we haven't had a dude like this since Jimmy Butler. Right. And and not just the just the toughness factor of it. It's like every time he's on the floor, he's just I feel like he's just doing something scrappy or doing something correct. You know what I mean? Like he'll all right. Every once in a while, he'll just look goofy because I remember today uh, and B gave him a pass. Did you, you remember this play? And B gave him a pass in the dunker spot. And then he clearly had the layup. But he could have just went straight up with it. But then uh, I think he just he tried to do some like turnaround thingy and he just missed it underneath. You know, he thought he was Paul Reed. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he was like, he was, I'm people. Paul. <laughs> yeah, Paul, Paul Reed got in his and one bag today on, on that play. We got to We got to talk about him, too, at some point. But no, like. Every year, this is why last year the Heat went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and this year they're playing in the play-in, and most likely you're about to get smoked by the Bucks, you know, in a four-game sweep. This, that's why the year before that, Milwaukee picked him up at the at the deadline, or I think he was a buyout actually for the for the Bucks, and they ended up just winning a championship. Like Harden and them trusted him when they made that deep run in Houston when they almost beat the Warriors. If Chris Paul's half of a leg again, uh, you know, didn't give out on him, and he didn't have that hamstring injury, like. Dudes like PJ Tucker are super important and you can't put a price point on that. Cause like, what's the, what's the reverse of that? You get a vet who isn't as tough, who isn't as scrappy, won't put their body on the line or you get a young guy who can, all right, he'll score 15. Right. But then he not doing the extra stuff that you need, you know, that, that fills in the gaps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, would you, would you trade two and a half more corner threes per game for 50% less competitive spirit or right you want like, like like attitude whatever you want to say like this team needs this team is going to be in some wars like they're going to get out of this first round hopefully it's like a gentleman's sweep or a sweep they don't have to like expend a lot of energy on the nets the next round is is going to be a battle because it's the celtics probably you know so you're gonna you're gonna be right there with the celtics like we basically had we you know, we had typically like rough regular season with them, but they are going to be in games with the Celtics, and it's going to need to be a dude like PJ who's pushing them over the top of the hill. Right, and it's funny because I actually think the Celtics are somewhat of a bad matchup for him, just in the sense of they have so much uh, depth. That I was talking to show about this the other day. They have so much depth at the wing position and the guard position. Like they have bigger guards, like the Brogdon's, like the Derek mm -hmm. um, Derek Whites. Even I mean Marcus Smart, you know the former Defensive Player of the Year last year but still very good, very much a good defender. Like, that matchup is just going to be harder for him because Tatum, Brown, Brogdon, Derek White, you know, maybe, I guess Grant Williams is just like a corner three-point guy, but what they like to do is just switch so much, and I think that height really does bother him because he doesn't have the foot speed anymore to keep up with guys like Tatum or Brown when they switch on him. So I think that's going to be more of like a Donovan House slash Jalen McDaniels type of series, or, you know, maybe even, you'll even see uh, some more Melton minutes. But I think um, just like if he's on the floor for give or take, what, 15, 20 minutes a game, if you're playing the Celtics, I think that's what's needed. I don't think you could play him more than like 25, 30 minutes because I just think the matchup is just going to be hard for him at that point. Yeah. Like he might get exposed more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, I mean, if, if he's that's not entirely threes, possible. Yeah, it's really going to have to do with like if they're out there and he's breaking corner threes, I don't know how Doc keeps him on the floor. But on the other hand, Whatever the short leash that Paul Reed has, PJ probably has the longest. And I and I wouldn't be surprised if guys like Embiid and Harden are like make or miss. Like I want Tucker on the floor with me. Now it's going to be up to Doc to do the kind of gutsy thing where he's like, I'm going to sit my vet in the fourth quarter. 
I'm going to yeah. sit this dude who is essentially the heartbeat of the team in the fourth quarter. And they're going to have to have results because PJ is going to be sitting there being like, you signed me to a three-year deal and you're benching me in crunch time. Like, what? Like, what yeah, the point what's of going this, on you know? here? But then again, so, maybe, maybe is, does he turn into the team guy and is just like, you know, I guess I got to take one for the team if he feels like this is the best matchup for us right now. Whether I feel bad. This dude lost. had like a great game, and we're like, just get, just so you know, you're gonna get benched against Boston. <laughs> <laughs> that, will, that will be tough to swallow, though, regardless. I do agree with you on that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Uh, another thing I noticed tonight, man, playoff pace suits the Sixers, at least in this, in this series. Uh, I was just watching a few minutes of Atlanta and Boston and it looked like a pickup game to open like the guys the guys were going up and down the court so that might not be the Sixers exact speed but man just watching like every single possession especially with the starters out there is like Harden bringing the ball up the court slowly getting into it and I, I understand the complaints about like you want to get your offense set and going so that it's not Embiid passing out of doubles with six seconds left on a shot clock or whatever mm. but I thought that we ground down Brooklyn. I don't want to get in a track meet with Brooklyn. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to get into like turnover, made three, six point swing. Doc's calling timeout. Sixers crowds getting uncomfortable. Like I love just grind them down. Show them like our superiority on the glass. Claxton can't handle Embiid. Royce O'Neal can't handle Embiid. They cannot stop mm-hmm. these dudes if we play our game. Yeah, Clax is giving up like 60 pounds to Embiid. And yeah. it's, it's it's noticeable every time Embiid touches the ball, how fast that double gets there because they know Clax, who, by the way, Claxton has had a, like a pretty solid season for what he is and who he became, but he literally is just giving up too much body to Embiid. So that's tough for them. That's why they have to give that double. And I think, and like you said, I think it's important to grind people out in, in the half court because in the playoffs, that's what matters, right? Like you can't just rely on the transition game anymore when it comes to in the crunch time, yeah. like when you get, when you get into the crunch time, right. You're not going to say like, Oh, we just going to get this steal and then it, let's go and let's get this dunk. Like it's no, their other teams score other teams score, especially late in the playoffs. Like the, the teams that make it late in the playoffs are really good offensively. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing that we did today is just, we just didn't give up on possessions. So once like, just because a shot went up, it wasn't like we were like, Oh, well let's like trot back and transition. It was like, Nope, we're getting this. The crowd is here. Josh Harris is sitting courtside. Washington Standing commanders, up. Washington commanders owner. Josh Harris is here. You know, like Standing everybody's up fired time. up. It's been an incredible year, 12 months in Philly sports. Like this is another like postseason run for the, the town. And I think that there was like an element of, not the same old Sixers. You know what I mean? It's right. it's very easy to come out flat at one o'clock on a Saturday. And right. And and that's where you see an aggressiveness from a guy like, you know, PJ Tucker, leadership, vets. Last year, uh, you know, our vets were what Danny Green and, and uh, Paul Millsap. Yeah. Like guys like that. Like, you know, dudes that I, I mean, again, Danny Green, great, great guy, 
you know, solid player. Oh, but, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, but, it's, it's just like, I, I think that there was some skepticism about some of Maury's moves this year. And I, you know, like, say what you will about Deadman, say what you will about this thing or that thing or the other thing. The Thibault trade worked out for us. Right. Melton's an incredible signing. Yep. And, and, and somehow, through hell or high water, this next topic comes up. B-Ball Paul is the backup five. Right. And, and, and credit Doc, too, for making that switch earlier in the season because we saw how bad the play was with Montreal. Like, the Sixers would get a lead in the game. And th- th- this was watch, rinse, repeat. They'd be up by, like, 10 points, right? Montrez mm-hmm. Harrell comes in the game with, you know, Doc did the hockey lineup thing. Trez is at the five. Next thing you know, that lead is evaporated within two minutes. And, I, and I'm glad Doc really, because Trez is his guy. Trez won six man a year with Doc in L.A. So yeah. th- that, that's a, a good relationship. You know, that goes back a couple of years. And I, and Trez is cool with uh, James Harden, too. They played on the Rockets together. And I, I just credit Doc for just finally being like, all right, look, let me let me get Paul Reed in here earlier. Unlike last season when Paul Reed started getting minutes, let's say, give or say, what, 10 probably like 10 games out until the postseason just wasn't ready. Well, for and it was also the hook was fast. If he made one mistake, if the ball bounced off his hands, if he got too many, like he would get in foul trouble, like whatever young player stuff that would happen. And then today you could see just what a gear shift he is to have a big man who is energetic, athletic, and honestly can bring the crowd to his feet. We talk about what PJ brings by bringing like a competitive spirit. Like they're chanting B-ball Paul at Wells Fargo, man. Like, they're chanting B-Ball Paul while he's at the line. He's got, like, what, 10 points in 11 minutes or 11 points in 10 minutes, whatever that burst was. He basically has the highlight of the game by going around the back in the paint and just juking, like, four Nets dudes so that he could get a layup. I that That's, like, an element of this team that we haven't had because we've just had these, you know, fossils out there backing up and beat over the last couple of years. Right, and the thing, and like you said, he had the short hook. He was being super fidgety. That's why every time he would get in the game, right, he would be in there for five minutes and somehow three fouls are already committed by him. You know, like now that's just like maturity. That's just growth. And that's him actually being able to stay in there knowing that, all right, I'm not going to get pulled fast. Every time I'm going to get in this game, I'm going to get my 15 minutes, right? And I'm going to make the most of it, whether it's with Harden, whether it's with uh, Tyrese Maxey, whether it's with McDaniels, Niang, every, like I'm scrapping, I'm going for the boards each time. And when I see that ball, I'm putting it up because I know I'm probably more athletic than whoever is the backup big on the other team. So credit to Doc for finally letting Paul Reed take over the backup center role and not keep Montrez in there because the defense was atrocious when Montrez is in there. Paul Reed competes on the defensive end. We know that. Mm-hmm. So I, that that's one thing that when, when we were talking again, we were talking about this with Shield earlier this week is Doc gets killed for a lot of things. But it, it's about damn time that, you know, he should get his credit. For the Paul Reed uh, wow, handling. The pro Doc Pod, as soon as Raheem's <laughs> off it, man. We're not even calling him Glenn. Yo, I mean, you're right. Look, like, I think what happens, especially with Sixers fans who have been through so much over the last 10 years, pretty much, is that you start scrutinizing early season results and early season decisions as if they're postseason decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think what everybody was freaked out about was like, is Doc really going to go ride into the postseason with Montrez Harrell? Or God forbid, Dwayne Demon. No offense to him, but like it's yeah. just like clearly he's got no like, legs. He's got no legs. Yeah. Are we really going to go into a postseason when Montrez has been part of some some pretty dark doc postseason losses? Yep. Bubble. And 
Yeah, and just kind of like and just kind of like throw throw a caution to the wind. Or does this mean Embiid's gonna have to play like forty one minutes a night? Which I'm sure there will be. I was about to say, yeah, at some in Boston point, against yeah. Boston against Milwaukee, I wouldn't be surprised. But right. tonight, perfect. What was it, thirty three tonight? Yep. You know, like I was even wondering if he was gonna come back in the fourth quarter when we were really. But then they, to, you know how basketball is that like a twenty point lead is no longer a lead, like, and especially you, against the Nets who are gonna who are gonna shoot from deep. So I yep. get it. Let's talk a little bit about the Nets, just just for because like the Sixers had a really good game. Maxi double digits. Toby had a great game. Niang comes off the bench with eleven. There's not a ton more to add to what we haven't said. So let's just put ourselves in the position of 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 Nets fans or at least of Nets watchers, right? I think going into the game, if you want to distill it down to its like basic, it was like Jacques Vaughn is going to decide whether or not to let Embiid score fifty and stop everybody else. Or he's going to do everything he can to stop Embiid and make everybody else beat him. Tonight, he obviously chose to stop Embiid, quote-unquote. I mean, Embiid still put up 26. But he chose to stop Embiid to some extent and let everybody else beat him. And Harden comes through with 23 and Tobias has 21. And, and you know, we just went through it. If you're Jacques Vaughn, game two, do you run it back or do you try something different? Do you throw a different defensive strategy out there? I mean, you might have to. He might have to do the, that boxing one, that zone up. Or do I mean, why, yeah, you got to yeah. throw the kitchen sink at it because at the end of the day, it's the it's going to be the pick and roll. It's going to be that extra hockey pass. If you're going to run, I would run doubles at a beat every time because it's like, all right, I'm not going to let this guy kill me. And if he kicks it out to the corner, I can live or die by somebody hitting a three instead of this guy scoring fifty on me and then other players still hitting their shots. Yeah, I saying? mean, he can try. He can try and force the matter so that PJ is the open player, you know. And there was a couple of times I wasn't necessarily off of PJ, but I saw the double was coming from cross court. Now that might have been they were trying to attack Embiid from a blindside angle, kind of like yeah, you know, or just basic, positioning. Yeah, because I think yeah. like I feel like they went in with a strategy of like wherever he is on the floor because he looks. B likes to lurk at that elbow spot, right? Yeah. Wherever he yes. is on the floor. That's his spot. Closest to foul, him, foul shot. Whoever, yep. Yeah. Whoever's closest to him, just run at him. Or I saw a couple times where he was posted one-on-one with Claxton or even sometimes Bridges and that double team would just come, you know, just come out of nowhere and kind of get him on a on the corner. So the out of bounds line is also like a defender as well. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that. That's like the ice defense. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, you, you know, the Nets are put everything. Everybody's super lanky and lengthy on the net. So when you put their hands up, they're not fouling, but at the same time, it's blocking Embiid's eyesight. So he can't throw that car, that cross court pass as easy. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, like you said it, you said it sometimes talent just beats what, what you have. Right. Like, yeah. You would you implore a strategy if you were him to say, hey, Joel, go ahead and just kill Nick Klax in this entire game and we're going to try and stop everyone else. I don't think that's going to work. I think Embiid is an interesting guy, like is an interesting player because I think that Embiid's a really emotional player. So I think over the course of the game, Embiid can get frustrated with different things. I think if there's, there's a world in which Embiid's pouring it on, the Sixers are still tied and it's almost like, He's like, I'm dragging these guys along with me because, you know what I mean? Like, I thought that that's why tonight worked so well is because you immediately start the postseason with everybody getting their beak wet. Everybody's like, I got 10 or I had a good game or I had like a nice play or I, I got some offensive boards. And a lot of that comes from the amount of attention the Nets played with Embiid. Uh, on the other tip for the Nets on the offensive side of the ball, obviously, like Bridges comes out and we're all... We're all running back the tape of that draft night and crying and thinking about what could have been and and 
thinking about which players we would trade for Bridges right now. And I think he came out, what was he, like 10 for 16 in the first half? I got a stat line. I got Mikael Bridges' stat line right in front of me. He will, he played 34 minutes today, 12 of 18, 2 of 4 from 3, 30 and 5 on the game. Yeah, but it's the second half, right? It's a game. Yeah. It's a. It's the second half where whatever they decided to do, he, I think he went like two for two in the second. So yeah. obviously the Sixers did something right, and obviously they were able to make that adjustment that we're always looking also. For he from must our not playoff he, coaches. He's probably just not ready to carry that load like that anyway. Just because, like, yeah, think about it. He got traded, you know, right at the deadline and instantly became the man for his team. So yeah. it's probably not just not used to that. And that, plus, that's like a high. He's, you know, he's played obviously in the NBA finals, but you know, that, that it's different when the playoffs, it's you, you know, you get the attention. Like we're not going to give the attention to Spencer Dinwiddie or Dorian Finney Smith or Cam yeah. Johnson. It's going to be you. Cause we know you're the killer on this team. The rest of those guys will live and die by it. We'll stay home on them. But you, you in particular, we're keying on you and we're bracketing you. Like you're not going to get off on us because you're the head of the snake. We're going to cut it off. Everybody yeah. else. We, we know they can't score in bunches like you can. They did a great job of, of, of quieting him in the second half, and then that's when the, the lead really got out of control. The Nets were able to like hit a couple of threes here and there. Uh, I saw Bill tweeting about like Seth Curry should get a lot more time in this series. I mean, I think we all love Seth Curry. We also like have we know what defensive liability. I was about to say he's a turnstile because where's, what's his matchup? It's probably Max. Max yeah. They fly pick and roll. Steph, Steph Curry, come here. You know, yeah. it, 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 they literally fly right past him every time. He is way too little for James Harden. And he's way too slow for uh, Tyrese Maxey. So what is his matchup? I'm going to get open. I'm launching a three every time I touch the ball. Is that what I mean, his, the benefit is? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think he's like a, a better playmaker, probably maybe even than Dinwiddie. You know what I mean? So you yeah, have like yeah. he, he provides a little bit of that point guard thing that you were asking for. But you know, I think Seth is like somebody who makes a good team really good. I don't know if he can make an average team good, you know? At, at the end of the day, like, he's going to he's going to get his threes off no matter what. But you lose a lot, too, as well, because and, and I saw uh, Paul George talk about this earlier in um, earlier in the week on his uh, on his podcast. Uh, I think it's called like Podcast P or something like that. He was like the best teams that win championships normally have great two way players. And you saw that from his brother in the finals that even Steph, you know, stepped it up on the defensive end. He wasn't necessarily yeah. a liability on defense in the finals last year, which made the Warriors impossible to beat. So right. and my, my thing with him is, and, and we've seen this when he was on the Sixers, we've seen it during his tenure versus the Nets. He just does not have the foot speed to keep up with these fast guards and Harden, who's not even particularly fast anymore. Like. Chris, I mean, I know obviously you're watching intently, but I'm watching on Harden's drive specifically. He was getting his shot sent every single time. What worked Mm -hmm. for him was shooting threes. Yeah, it was the it was the it was catch and shoots. It was it was shooting above like above the break. It was getting that kick out. I did not think he was like a very effective rim. Like he he was not effective in the rim, and there was something obscene. Like there's some number where it was like the Sixers had like this terrible paint scoring number, but were still like outscoring the nets by what they were scoring I mean, like it was a, yeah. this was a perimeter masterclass from Harden and Maxi and Harris and and a lot of that is from Embiid kicking the, it back out of the doubles this, if i remember correctly the sixers had 38 points in the paint the nets had 40 yeah yeah so i mean the sixers didn't necessarily again you when you hit 21 threes that, that's what's going to happen right it's home rims it's like everything was kind of flowing for them but 
we have been through several like oh man we came out with like laid an egg today and I, we we could very well do it in game two because there's like a little bit of a trap there um these series is feel longer than they actually are and i think that they are really it's like you know intellectually and i not to dismiss the nets entirely but you kind of know intellectually that you're going to win it's like how long is it going to take and how much bad stuff can happen while it takes that long you know, like who twists an ankle, who gets his chin, his cheekbone broken, who's aggravates something. The disaster waiting to happen is what. You're yeah, that's what you're trying to avoid. You're trying to go up against Boston with your best guys. Now, speaking of this, I wanted to ask you. You're not going to give the Hawks no chance. Like you just straight you you erase the Hawks immediately. Come on. You know what? Part of it is also is just like I want to test this team against Boston. Mm-hmm. I want I want the Boston matchup. You know what right. I mean? Like I right. don't, I mean like it's cool. Like if the Hawks somehow upset the Celtics <laughs> and the Celtics self destruct. How would about be this, great. Chris? How about this? Would you want revenge on the Hawks for what they did to the process in 2021, or would you want to beat our hated arch rivals probably for our lifetime, the Boston Celtics? I want I want to beat Boston. It's gonna <laughs> feel worse watching that that series. Like that will be like I will not sleep during that series. Right. But I want to beat Boston. I, I do feel too. like I do too. I, I want to take out the bullies. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I want do too. Boston I think, and Milwaukee. I think the whole Philly wants to do that. So there's four games today. Uh, right now, the Celtics and the Hawks are playing. Um, I was curious whether or not when we go first, like in this, because I feel like this has happened before where the Sixers have the first game and like the, they kick off the playoffs like this because of the East Coast. Do you then, like, I feel like it kind of sets me up to watch basketball. And I'm in so much of a better mood. Like I'm basically comparing all the other winning teams. Like, do, do, are they better than the Sixers? Are they better than the Sixers? Because like you come out of it and you're just basically like, my day's my day is awesome now. Like that was great. We took care of business. And it's funny. It's like I'm gonna go watch the Celtics game and I'm just gonna be like, I it, it with, with no anxiety. Chris, I'm looking at the score of the Celtics game right now. I don't think you're gonna watch it. Why is it your Atlanta Hawks are getting their no, ass yeah, kicked? It's, it, it's looking scary right now. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to tell the score because during this pod, like by the time it comes out, it just won't matter. But take a glance at the score right now. It is, it is. Oh gosh, yeah, it got, bad. it got bad. Fine, let's just say <laughs> one team has 59, the other team has 32. <laughs> yeah, it got um, bad in Boston. That's a good point. We don't want to make this uh, too. We want to make this pod as timely as possible. So let's get it up for the people. Cliff, it was great talking to you, man. Man. Thanks for putting me in, Coach. I appreciate it. Of course. It. Of course, man. We wanted to get these takes off. Cliff uh, is our producer. He was also our co-host today. Shout out, Raheem. Uh, we'll, he'll be back after game two. It might be Sheila and Raheem. It might be some combination of people, but we'll be back after game two, and you can expect post-game pods throughout the uh, this playoffs. So thanks for listening to the Ringers Philly Special. We'll talk to you soon.